So that's been the missing piece. If you don't have an assessment and you don't have what's missing, you can't teach me algebra if I still don't know what the number eight is. Right. Okay. Right. So we've got to yes. drill down. We got to drill down. And so having a tool, an assessment tool and progress monitoring and those type of things are what you need to show up with to discuss. Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is Barb Beck. And if you're intrigued like me, you will be happy that you joined us for this episode of The Fast 15. Today, we launch into a conversation with Lisa Huffmaster. Lisa began her career as a special educator 26 years ago. She's taught in just about every setting on the LRE continuum before serving as a district special education administrator for 14 years. Over the course of her career, Lisa led partnerships with surrounding school districts, state agencies, community members, and private agencies to develop two very successful work-based learning programs for IEP and 504 eligible students. Lisa currently serves as the Inclusive Education Specialist for the Arkansas Department of Elementary and Secondary Education in the Office of Special Education. She stays connected to this work by serving as a volunteer job site coordinator for a paid off-campus internship program called PEAK, Panther employment, action, and knowledge. Let's now welcome Lisa to our Fast 15. All right, Lisa Huffmaster, it's a privilege to get a chance to talk to you today and hear about your perspective, what brought you into the field of special education, really your story, who you are, what you're doing now in Arkansas, and how you have connected with functional academics as well. What brought you into the field of special education? Sure. So my journey began actually back in 1979. My parents had a set of twins. One of those twins happened to be rocking an extra chromosome. Okay. And she had Down syndrome. And I obviously was very close to her growing up and just reflecting on her school experiences. They were, her school experiences were way more segregated than any other place in her life. Her church, her, our family, friends. She spent at school, she spent her time in a classroom because we went to a very small rural school district. She spent her time in a small resource room with a little area in the back where she worked pretty much in solitude with a teacher or a pair all day. So that was my inspiration. I felt like this needs to be done differently. More opportunities for your sister or anybody else who's in that kind of a classroom setting and needing additional support, but wanting more for them. That's amazing. I think a lot of people who have family members do end up going into special education. And that is just such a unique perspective. I think knowing what it must be like for your parents or for other family members coming to the IEP table, working out the advocacy for your loved one and wanting a general ed experience or just being really included with same age peers and how to do that. And it gets really personal when you have a family member. How do we do this? I want to find out about what you're currently doing in your role in Arkansas. Yeah. So I was a special education teacher for nine years, went on to be a special education director for 14 years. And now I'm working with the Office of Special Education. This is a new role for me. And my title is Inclusive Education Specialist. Now that's a little intimidating. Anytime you put the word specialist. specialist, (laughs) Want <laughs> anything. I don't know that I've earned that title, but and right. it's definitely a different role. But yeah, so we work very closely with teachers training, general ed, special education, and then a focus on administrators. We do offer a lot of support for scheduling and for assistive technology, 
a lot of the keys to universal design for learning to help kids be successful in the general education setting. But it really happens, like you said, at that IEP team meeting when they're discussing the child and are they making progress with what we're doing or is there more that they can do? Are we just not giving them the opportunity to do so? Really, how to show up at that IEP meeting, no matter what role you have, and know what the end result should be and what you're advocating for. And when we think about accessing curriculum and having all of the scaffolds that are needed to get moving, like you were saying, progress monitoring and making sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody feels that they have a voice at the IEP table. But mostly the student, hopefully, we're inviting a student to the IEP team, right, to voice what's happening out there as much as possible but with whatever mode of communication that they have, right? We want to have their voice there. I'm curious, in your coaching and just helping IEP teams, how are you seeing functional academics being used in general ed settings and bridging that gap? Can you speak a little bit more specifically about that? Yeah, so that specially designed instruction that they should get when they're learning things that they aren't learning or or don't already have in place, those foundational or functional skills that they don't have in place. So we really need to know what those are. And we don't know what things are if we don't assess them and we don't have data to discuss. So that's been the missing piece. If you don't have an assessment and you don't have what's missing, you can't teach me algebra if I still don't know what the number is. Number eight is. Right. Okay. Right. So we've got to yes. drill down. We got to drill down. And so having a tool, an assessment tool and progress monitoring and those type of things are what you need to show up with to discuss what does specially designed instruction need to address that the general ed has already gone past. That doesn't mean there aren't things they couldn't be learning and benefiting from in that classroom, but what are they missing and how do we drill down and find that and provide that specially designed instruction to help bring them up to the level that their peers are. Right. And that takes people who really know and understand our young adults, the student who has the IEP plan and those players, the general ed teacher, the paraeducator, if if that is available in the classroom setting. What are the solutions that you're finding for the collaboration piece? I think that's communication and being clear on how to deliver instruction, how to do that assessment. How do you make sure that all of the team members and everybody is really communicating and on the same page with delivering that in in a general ed setting and in an inclusive learning environment. Yeah, that's really a big disconnect sometimes when we get to those meetings. In Arkansas, our IEPs have a page called the PLAP, is what we call the present level of academic and functional performance. Okay. So that's probably something similar that all IEPs have. We right. just have that little acronym for it. So really instructing teachers on how to assess and write a good present level statement that identifies the student's strengths and their needs and the adverse effects of the disability that they have and coming to the table. And then with that gen ed, looking at what what strengths they have, how can we plug that into the gen ed and then be successful in those needs? That's where specially designed instruction and really targeted goals and objectives that support that student making progress. So helping the team take that big lump of puzzle pieces, if it were, and, and put them together to write an 
educationally beneficial IEP. Like right. the IEP is actually creating something. It's creating, it's filling in those gaps and doing what it's written to do. So that's the goal that we're really trying to mesh all those players and data together. Right. I love it. And I did notice when I was reviewing a little bit more about who you are and how you are participating, I think you're doing some work-based learning with young adults. Is that right? Yes. Is it a, it's called a peak program? Yeah. We at the school that I just left in July, when I went to the Department of Education, had started a work-based learning program with a grant that we received for our rehabilitation department here. It's called Arkansas Rehabilitation Services. Okay. And so they have a work-based learning program here that we applied for a grant. They gave us startup money and the students started their own business. Uh-huh. So within the school, they have a coffee business. We have a local coffee shop that supports us and they let us order our supplies from them. And teachers go in every morning or they can order by semester or by year and they pay for their coffee. And what's really exciting is they own their own company and now we have them going out into the community. Several of the churches are interested in having them. The church I go to actually has coffee every morning and the students take their orders and fill their coffee orders. Real world experience and the community inclusion that you're providing and getting your young adults ready for going out and they can go do their own thing, right? So they're getting all those functional foundational skills to be able to do their own thing in the future. So that, so coffee, and then are there other elements to the program? Other- yeah, they are. There's a lot of benefits. So this grant not only gave us startup money for the business, but business owners can host a student or an intern, and they have an employee that works for them at no cost to them. And at that time, all they do, yeah, they just take care of their timesheet and their employee rating. And if there's any problem, then we as job coaches, we as teachers, special educators, occupational therapists, we jump in and try to solve that problem. Okay. Maybe it's an accommodation. Maybe they need a picture menu or maybe they need things broken down in more of a task analysis. Yeah. So it's benefiting the community. It's benefiting the intern. And now we have students graduating with jobs and a lot of those interns get hired on the spot. They continue working with that business. That's amazing. I love it. And I saw some apparel too on the website when I was taking a look at it. How is that a different pathway other than the coffee business? So can you tell a little bit about that too? Yeah. Thanks for noticing that. That's a great thing because how many t-shirts a year does a school district order? A lot. Yeah. Yes. So they use some of that startup money also to purchase the vinyl and the design software. And now they design t-shirts for the different clubs and sports and organizations. We even have, like I said, the community is coming in and ordering their shirts. So yeah, every year we design a t-shirt that kind of is our theme for the year. And uh, then the whole community orders it because it's the Panther, Greenbrier Panthers t-shirt of the year. Right. And and who wouldn't want to order a t-shirt like that, right? That's made by your young adults. And I think that's a brilliant idea. So if other people wanted to start something like that, How would they go about doing that, getting a grant, doing that, going through those steps? Because people nationwide would really grab onto that idea, I think. It's fantastic. Yeah, just getting getting that little bit of startup money. I think it was like 2500 or something like that. 
just getting that little bit of startup money got us going like really fast once we got started. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we checked, uh, they have over $20,000 now in their account. They're sustaining themselves. Wow. With that t-shirt. Yeah, with that t-shirt business. And then the grant pays them. Like I said, I went through Arkansas Rehabilitation Services, okay. and but I'm sure that money is allocated by state nationally. So there has to be something within your own state. I would look at your your rehab and see what grants are available. They're all probably a little different, but probably something similar. Yeah. So people across the country, anybody else that's listening in other states could potentially think about doing a similar thing. I just love getting ideas from people who are really finding success in this way. I love all things transition and really bridging the gap. I think work-based learning and career and technical education and special education, we don't need to be in silos. I think that's mm-hmm. where when you see the crossover, that's just really powerful. And and I think it's amazing the things that you're doing out there. Let me ask you this. We don't have a lot more time left on our Fast 15, but let me ask you, what would you say to uh, somebody just coming into the field? You've had a lot of years of experience in the field and it have probably worked with just so many different situations, but we have a lot of teachers that get in three years and they're like, I can't do this. What would you say to encourage them from your years of experience? What would you say to a brand new teacher coming into the field? I think if I were to go back and be a special education director tomorrow or next year, the first thing I would do with those new teachers is I would schedule a day where they did a tour. They started in kindergarten and they saw what students look like and the the needs that they had when they came into us. But I always want them to see the end. And that's something with me being an elementary teacher, I didn't realize about transition and about all the things that we do between kindergarten and them leaving us. And so for them to see what what progress they make, if they could begin and see the end in mind, I think that would be a great thing for them to see and to be motivated and see that it's baby steps, but it is steps in the right direction and progress. I think that's a really good suggestion for anybody coming into the field, or even if you're 10 years in or even more, to be able to see the whole continuum from early childhood all the way up through transition and knowing what to do for students. Wonderful. Lisa, thank you so much for the time that you spent with us on the Fast 15. And I would love to meet you in person someday. You're just so much fun to talk with. And I know I could learn so much from you and your experience. And I just uh, really appreciate you and spending the time with us. Barb, I may see you at some conference or something, or I may just have to come back out there. It was such a beautiful place. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Good. All right. Take care. Thanks. A heartfelt thank you to our generous sponsors, Specially Designed Education Services, publishers of the Functional Academics Program. Please take a moment to learn more about the only true comprehensive functional academics program that enables students with moderate to severe disabilities to improve their ability to live independently and show meaningful growth both academically and personally while creating accountability with data-driven, evidence-based results. Visit sdesworks.com to learn more.